0: wisdom and the seasons of God we're in Luke chapter 7 verse 24 through 35 the Bible says when the messengers of John had departed he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John we're talking about John the Baptist what did you go out into the wilderness to see Jesus is talking to a crowd a reed shaken by the wind but what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments indeed those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in Kings courts but what did you go out to see a prophet Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John." But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having um, been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating. And drinking, and you say, "Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." But wisdom is justified by all her children. So, kind of give you a little background introduction. What's going on here? Jesus is actually rebuking uh, the religious leaders who would not accept his or John's ministry because it was not what they expected. He then makes the statement, we, and that in this statement is what we're going to focus on today, that wisdom is justified by all her children. These children actually are, is, is, a, is an analogy or a type and represents different expressions of the moves of God. We need to know as a people that God does move, but when he does move, he doesn't always move the same way. Actually, he moves differently. According to the season that we're in, he moves differently in different seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. Time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. There is a time for everything that God is doing, to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, with that in mind also uh, I want to bring out another scripture and I want you to hold on to this while we move forward it says in 1st Chronicles sorry my basket fell down here it says in 1st Chronicles 12:32, of the sons of Issachar they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do now that's important we're going to get there in a minute but just kind of to give you a little Input here, in case we don't get to focus too much on this, is that the sons of Iskar, Issachar were part of the tribe, a, a tribe of Israel, but what made them stand out as a tribe is they understood the times. My wife says, I was born an old man. <laughs> because I'm very regulated, very disciplined. I, I, I say that. She says, No, you're just old. Anyway. Um, but uh, you know, I'm 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 basically to her i have been out of season, you know, and uh, and so you have uh, to figure out uh, in your life what is the season of time that we're in, and not everybody's able to do that. And as a people of God, we're not always able to do that as well. But the sons of Issachar had this about themselves as a tribe, is they understood the season. They understood what times they were in. So let's keep that in mind, and we're going to go to our first point, and we're going to look at John the Baptist's ministry. And John the Baptist's ministry was a season of fasting and mourning. When John the Baptist came, the Bible says he came not drinking wine or eating fine foods. He did not dress luxuriously or live in fine houses, Matthew 3, 1 through 6. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in, was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, uh, I, I'll say this every time. He wasn't eating grasshoppers. A locust was a fruit that was found in the desert. So he was eating locusts or a kind of fruit and wild honey then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins so basically he was a vegetarian he didn't dress Gucci he he uh, he was living in the wilderness right in an arid place and his message was not making people very happy right but that was John the Baptist but it was getting a job done. Causing people to repent and to confess their sins. Acts 19, 3 through 4, uh, Paul actually said, as he was talking to some people in Ephesus, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. In the book of Luke, chapter 20, Verse 1 through 8, it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes together with the elders confronted him and spoke to him saying, talking about Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things or who is it that gave you this authority? And Jesus answered and said to them, I'll ask you one thing and you answer me, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say it was from heaven, he'll say, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they're persuaded that John was a prophet. So what is it saying about them? They were not persuaded that John was a prophet because they were not baptized by the baptism of John because they didn't recognize in John the voice of one crying in the wilderness. When it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the one crying out in the wilderness is the Holy Spirit. His voice was John the Baptist. They didn't recognize that John the Baptist and his ministry was from God, and God was uh, showing Himself through John the Baptist in a in a unique expression of the Spirit of God to bring people to a time of repentance, preparing the way for the one who was to come, whom we know as Christ. Right. So they to finish this, they answered to they and they that they did not know where it was from, and they actually. Did not want to answer and jesus said to them knowing that he says i'm not going to tell you about what authority i do these things either so john the baptist ministry and then after john the baptist remember John the baptist came preparing the way for the one who was to come we have jesus's ministry and jesus's ministry was completely totally flipped from what john the baptist ministry was now how many of you know that Jesus was God in the flesh? We know that. But the people back then, they were kind of on the on the, the tipping point. They were trying to figure out is John, is John from God? Is Jesus from God? We don't know. We know that he was. But Jesus came and as an expression of God, uh, Jesus was the exact manifestation of who the Father was. So he's an expression of the Lord, visible expression. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and Jesus came different his ministry looked different than John the Baptist remember John the Baptist ministry was one of fasting and mourning Jesus's ministry was one of eating and drinking now doesn't mean that that's I'm just saying it, it looked different John 2, 1 through 11, the very first time Jesus worked a miracle in the, in, the, in the Gospel of John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and, it, and when they ran out of wine, right? So Jesus was not a Nazarite right? He, a Nazarite would have be one that didn't drink wine or grape juice or anything like that. And by the way, this isn't permission for you to drink wine just talking about what happened back then so both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding when they ran out of wine the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine Jesus said to her what does your concern have to do with me my hour has not yet come yet his mother said to the servants whatever he says to you to do do it and what did Jesus do change the water into wine do you think John the Baptist would have done that probably not right had a different kind of ministry. John the Baptist wouldn't have even gone to the wedding, probably, because he's out in the wilderness eating uh, grasshoppers and honey. But Jesus is different. Jesus is actually among the people. Jesus is eating with the people. He's talking with the people. He's ministering to the people. The people weren't coming, uh, and, and I'm just saying in general, the people came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. Jesus went to the people. He left heaven, came to earth, he came into his own, the Bible says in John, but his own received him not. He actually came to them, right? Now, it doesn't mean that they didn't go out to listen to him and go hear him, but I'm talking about in general, he was God reaching out to the people, whereas John the Baptist was a voice of one crying in the wilderness and the people came out to him. Okay, so in Matthew 10, 9, 10 through 13, and actually about, talking about Jesus, as it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher, your rabbi, eat with tax collectors and sinners? And you've got to know the, the context here. They would never do that. We don't eat with tax collectors and sinners. We eat with the righteous. We are righteous, and we don't get in a place where we can be unclean, around unclean people, and that's just the way they thought. And when Jesus heard what they said, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Totally different mindset, totally different way of thinking. But is it God? Yes. And he tells them, but go and learn what this means. I desire, and he's quoting scripture, I desire mercy and not Sacrifice for I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So he's trying to give them an understanding of why his ministry is the way it is because he came as a physician seeking to heal the sick, to bring them to a place of wholeness, whether through salvation, healing, however, he did it. His goal was to bring them to a place of wholeness. John the Baptist's ministry was to bring people to a place of repentance so they could accept the ministry and be prepared for the ministry of Christ when he came right? Now, they were both expressions of the Spirit of God, because Jesus actually said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. Well, you say, well, you, he's the Son of God. He is the Son of God, but everything he did on this planet, he does it as a man, as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. In fact, Jesus himself says, I say what I hear my Father saying. I do what I see my Father doing. He followed the Lord. So what he did was an expression of the Spirit of God. What John did was an expression of the Spirit of God. But their ministries were completely different. Okay, I took a lot of time just to get you to this point. We understand, right? They're both from God, but they both look totally different, right? And then we get to our third point. Wisdom is justified by her children. Wisdom is vindicated by the fruits of those who accept her teaching and yield her fruits. What were the fruits of John's ministry? What were the fruits of Jesus' ministry? The fruits out of both of them were changed lives that were reflecting the righteousness of God. They came different, they ministered different. They both preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, but their ministry looked completely different. But the fruit of both of their ministries was changed lives that were now reflecting the righteousness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? That's what we need to understand. Uh, There's been, um, I'll just kind of get off to the side, but um, I was telling somebody the other day, in 1995... Uh, which I know, I know some of the young people that have gone. They weren't born until like the 2000s, which kind of freaks me out, you know, because I was born in 1963, and I say 1999, 2000, well, I wasn't even born yet. You're kidding me, right? And I start realizing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. So, but in 1995, I was still a young'un, and, uh, and there was a revival that broke out in Pensacola. Some of y'all, older people, uh, you remember. So some of you younger people that were like little babies at the time, you remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got a lot of different. Uh, I've got a lot of different counsel on what was happening over there. Some people said it's not of God. In fact, one of the, it's not. A, other people said it is of God. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm actually pastoring in peril at the time, and I, and people are asking me about this, and I said I I don't really know, you know, what it is. I need to go check it out. I need to find out. I need to be able to give people some advice, right? So I go down there, and I'm long short of it. We get there, and I'm going through the revival. We're there for a couple of days, and I'm checking things out. I'm getting ministered to. You know, I'm not not saying it's not of God. I mean, I was enjoying what was happening. But when I really knew was on the Friday night baptisms. Friday night baptisms, they were baptizing people that had been saved, and they encouraged them to give a testimony. And unlike our church, they actually did it. Sorry guys, I love you. But not our strength right now, but we got to work on that. All right? So anyway, what happens up there, they get up there and uh, and I and and one I remember one girl, I think it was uh, the gist of it was I was a prostitute. Somebody from the revival came and they started telling me about Jesus. I accepted the Lord, I got saved. I'm no longer a prostitute anymore. I'm living for God. Another guy, I was a drug addict. Uh, Somebody came from the revival, ministered to me, told me about Jesus. I got saved. God delivered me from drug addiction. Well, then I knew at that particular moment this is God. Why? Because of the fruit of the ministry, because there were changed lives. We want to judge whether something is of God or not by the expression. But we need to judge whether something is of God or not by the fruit You understand? We may not like the expression. There was a lot of people that didn't like John the Baptist, but the fruit was changed lives. Other people may not have liked Jesus, but we know the fruit is changed lives. We can't be judging by the expressions. We need to judge by the fruit, right? Uh, Some trees don't suit my liking, but their fruit really suits my liking. You understand? May not look as pretty as another tree. Then you got another tree that looks really pretty and it doesn't produce any fruit. You got a tree over here makes looks a little scraggly, but as it grows up, it produces succulent fruit. We can't be judging by the expression. We need to judge by the fruit. And that's kind of where I'm going for. I'm, 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 I know I'm really touching on this a little bit, but I want you to get when I'm what I'm seeing here. when Wisdom is vindicated by our children, and what I want you to see is that both of these ministries, John the Baptist and Jesus, were of God, and the fruit of their ministry was changed lives reflecting the righteousness of God. Matthew 3, 1 and 2, has already said this a couple of times, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit was the one crying out. John the Baptist was the Voice. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit and immediately began to proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand, Luke four sixteen. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue, stood up to read, handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book, found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor so why was he doing that because that was the expression of god through his ministry john the baptist didn't do this john the baptist preached repent kingdom of god is at hand change your ways uh, do things different in your life, but Jesus came actually healing the sick, delivering, setting people free, causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. By the way, if you were to go back to Isaiah, Jesus left something out, the day, and the day of vengeance of our God. Well, there's a lot of people that want to preach the day of vengeance of our God, but that wasn't the season. When was the season for the day of vengeance of our God? It's actually going to be different than what you might think. We might think, well, that's, you know, we've got to come preach in hellfire and brimstone, and I'm not against that. I'm just saying, but actually, I believe the day of vengeance of our God, I heard this say that really resonated with me, was the day that Jesus won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. He spoiled powers and principalities and rulers. He spoiled them and made a public spectacle of them. At the cross of Calvary, that was the day of vengeance of God. But it wasn't a day of vengeance against people. It was a day of vengeance against the enemy that held God's people captive. Right? Anyway, that was for free. Let's get back. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people do you see that the Spirit of God was empowered with the empowering presence behind the ministry but both of these men's ministries yet their ministries had completely different expressions if you had the expectation of a genius ministry when John the Baptist came you would have rejected his ministry it didn't look like what you were expecting so you may have wanted to dance but the season was to repent remember Jesus was a feasting ministry, John the Baptist, was a mourning ministry. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We mourned, but you didn't. I mean, we uh, played the, the flute for you, but you didn't. Uh, saw not. Those fingers. Those fingers are sticking. <laughs> no, not you. It's me, my fingers. Okay. Like the sons of Issachar, remember that? It was and is important to know the seasons of God. Why? So you can respond to the voice of God and the move of the Spirit that is taking place. It's wisdom to know what is the season of God. If you had been expecting a John the Baptist when Jesus came, you would have missed out on the move of God as well. In fact, many did because Jesus didn't fit their expectations of what the Messiah was supposed to be. Your expectations of mourning would have been unmet and you would have passed up on the move of God in front of you. There are many, many have been many revivals that have broken out uh, in our midst throughout history, but even within the time that I've been born, there have been different revivals and they all had different expressions. And always it was, is this God? It doesn't look like the last revival doesn't look like what I think revival should be happening. Uh, I remember uh, back, I I was, uh, I got to go back and remember when I was preaching there. I went, I was 1991 and 1995, and Roddy Howard Brown came to, uh, um, Fort Worth, and we went down to Calvary Temple where the meetings were, and and he would preach, and all of a sudden people would just start breaking out in joy. And in fact, come to find out, that I had actually started in Toronto, and and many people were being, but it happened throughout the world. They all had that. People would come, and then all of a sudden it was it was a season of joy. And people were like, uh, you go to if YouTube had been around at the time, you would have had thousands of people saying, why this is not God, and why these are false prophets. Right? I want to counsel you guys that don't believe everything you read on, or watch on YouTube. All right? Don't do that. I'm not saying that you can't be wise. And listen, I'm just saying don't be infected by a spirit that's trying to constantly judge whether somebody is a false prophet or not. Somebody can be different in a different season, have a different ministry, and not be a false prophet. Oftentimes what we want to do is, this is not what I think, therefore, it's a false prophet. It's not what I read in Scripture, therefore, it's a false prophet. It doesn't match my presuppositions, therefore, it's a false prophet. And the other thing that we often fail to realize is that sometimes what they do is they point out the errors of people. I want you to know, if they scrutinized my ministry as small as it was, you would find multitudes of errors. When I preach, sometimes I say things and think to myself, no, I don't agree with that. Right? Can you imagine somebody that's preaching every day on the radio all the time or on TV all the time and people are putting a fine tooth? comb and you know what it doesn't if if you're going to live under that you have to have every every jot and tittle dotted down and make sure you don't make one mistake and even then they're going to find a reason to criticize you oh man the guy's just legalistic all he does is read his message well the reason he's reading his message is because it's tired of people you know uh, claiming that he's a false prophet and sometimes if you were to do like like uh I know I'm jumping off in a I'm jumping off in the river, I'm going down a rabbit trail really bad right now, but imagine if what they would have said about Peter, oh Peter's walking on the water, they would have said, hey, look at the miracle there they, they were saying he's a false prophet, he's doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. that's witchcraft, that's sorcery, look what he's doing. but who was there? Jesus. even they said the disciples said about Jesus himself who was walking on the water. that ain't God. What did they find out later? It was God. Luke 5, 39 they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but you eat and drink? And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, it's a season for feasting. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new one does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new one will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having had old wine or having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Now, that's not a that's not a positive statement. Jesus is saying is that I want to give you new wine, right? But in order to get new wine, you have to be a fresh wineskin. You have to be pliable. You have to allow... You uh, uh, yourself, Not. you're not going to change what God does, but you, in order to, to understand and to receive what God does, you have to be pliable in your thinking and recognize that God may be doing something differently. But the problem is, we know in the natural, whether you drink won't have drunk wine before or not, in the natural, old wine is always better than new wine. Because the new wine has to age. Because if it hadn't aged, it's not going to be good. But, what we don't realize is that with God, the new wine can be better than the old wine because God's not limited to the natural way of doing things. In fact, I read to you about what happened at Cana and Galilee, and Jesus made new wine out of water, and the guy that tasted it said, this is better than the old stuff that I had. Right? Right? the people of this day of John the Baptist and of Jesus recognized the moving of God in both their ministries and those that responded accordingly received what God had made available for them. You realize the people that responded to John the Baptist's ministry, a ministry of uh, fasting and mourning also were the ones that responded to Jesus' ministry. A ministry of feasting, eating and drinking. So the people that were that were in one season with John the Baptist also understood that God came in a different expression, in a different season with Jesus. And they were able to make the switch. The Pharisees didn't accept John the Baptist's ministry, and they also didn't accept Jesus' ministry. And the bottom line is, I don't think that we're going to accept anybody's ministry except their own. In the same way, we must follow the leading of God in the season that God is moving in. We can't afford to miss what God is doing because of wrong expectations of what God should be doing at this time. Oftentimes, we as the people of God can fall into the orbit of someone who is teaching us that it's not the season for something. Like I said, YouTube, uh, Facebook, all these other people. And here's here's what you need to understand. There's a couple of things that can be happening there. One is either they are in the wrong season themselves and they don't realize it and they're seeking to convince those who will listen to them that they need to join them in the season they think we're supposed to be in but they're not in the right season. It happens all the time. Or that is the season for them but what we need to understand that what the season is for them is not always the season for us what God is doing in this house may not look like what God is doing in another house but they can both be God right and that's what we need to understand we need to be open to the fact. But so, so what happens is like, and again, I don't do a lot of this, but it's just I would imagine some of you must be doing it. You know, um, you go to YouTube, and, and they say, that ain't God, this ain't God, whatever the case may be. You know, this is what what should be happening. This is how it should be taking place, whatever the case may be. But, you know, if you were to do a little bit of background on them, they, they don't have ministries. Their only ministry is to criticize other people. That's their ministry. And in criticizing other people, that's how they get a following. How they get a following is how they get a ministry. Is how they get whatever the case may be. Uh, We don't need to be critical of other people. There are going to be always people that are out of season, out of touch, that are wolves in sheep's clothes. You're always going to have that. But if you start looking for wolves and start looking for false prophets and start looking for all of that, your heart is not going to be in the right place. And if your heart's not in the right place, you're not going to recognize when God is here. Because what it takes is it takes a heart that is open to the moving of God. And if you're constantly looking in fear, criticizing over the people other people, then you're not listening for God anymore. You've got your eyes on what the enemy's trying to do. Jesus said, My sheep hear not the enemy's voice. Now we're supposed to be wise as serpents, as gentle as doves. I understand that. But he said, My sheep hear my voice. Keep your eyes on God. Ecclesiastes 3 and 8. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time to war, and a time of peace. There are different seasons in God. And even within the house, we can be in different places. The problem that we have sometimes is we want everybody to be in our place. I I, uh, I always get a kick out of used to have people come up quite a bit not, not as much anymore but they used to come up and say uh, this is what I believe that's fine not really asking me they are asking me what do you think about this but they don't really want to know what I think they want me to be in agreement with what they think right and I will tell them we're just going to have to disagree right that's good for me but what I've found over time is not good for them No, they have to convince me why I'm wrong and I need to listen to them and do it their way, whatever the case may be. And you know what? You just may be in a different season. We don't always have to agree. You see, the pro, now I'm really getting off on a rabbit trail. The, we need to understand Christianity is more supposed to be like a family they know they're christians because of your love for one another what we have tried to do is instead of uniting around love we've tried to unite around doctrine there's nothing wrong with doctrine but what you understand is that in a family i was watching the the brian's family have a little daughter about this tall and they have another daughter about this tall and then you have mom and dad are this tall but that's just their physical stature but then their age you have ones like five and ones like 12 and ones 14 and ones we won't get into the rest of that (laughs) but you know that in a family where you have such differences in age and processing and maturity and all that kind of stuff that they don't always agree. Why do they don't agree? Because they see things different. Gender-wise, men and women see things different. Age-wise, boys, and, uh, men, uh, uh, male and female, see things differently, right? So even within a family, in the context of a family, if my daughters don't agree with me, I don't say, you need to go find another family. We can't be together. We can't be a family because we don't agree. Do we do that? No. We're a family because we love one another. So we're blood. We stick together. Right? We learn how to accept our differences. But see, what we've been gathering around, the, 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 um, the framework for unity in denominationalism, has been we gather because we agree. We have to agree on all these points. If we don't agree on all these points, we we can't fellowship together. We can't be together. We can't, you need to go find another church, or we need to find another church, or whatever the case may be. But we don't We don't agree 100% on all these doctrinal points. There's no unity, and it. there's no unity doctrinally, there's no unity. And, and I'm not opposed to being the same doctrinally. I'm just telling you that even in a family, you can have differences of agreement and still be together and love one another. We need to bring that model back. We can still love one another, even if we disagree. You don't have to go somewhere else, somewhere else because you disagree. Well, there's no unity if we disagree. Who said there's no unity if we disagree? I got off on a rabbit trail. I don't know if I found any rabbits there or not, but I got to get back. There are seasons there are different seasons in God. There are seasons to pray. There are seasons to fight. There are seasons to soak. There are seasons to act. All of these are expressions of God, and wisdom is justified by her children. Many of the leaders of Israel rejected the move of God through John and rejected the Messiah that they were looking for because they were out of season. John 1 and 11, he came to his own, and his own did not re him. In the Old Testament, many people missed out and got in trouble because they didn't recognize for them it was a season to fight. Psalm 78, 9-11, the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So when, even though they're all armed, you know, the Bible says, put on the armor of God. I like to see people when they pray, I'm putting on my helmet. I'm putting on my shield. I'm putting on my belt. I'm putting on my shoes, my Gucci shoes. I'm putting them on. I'm putting them on in God. And then when it's time to fight, they're like, I'm out of here. See, you can be dressed for battle. But not be prepared for battle. You're out of season. You need to realize that there is a season to fight. Right? We don't fight against one another. We fight against the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principality. No, we just need peace. We just need unity. We just and there's that's we we do want to do that. But you know what peace is? I have a, a what do you call it? A, a, an acrostic for peace. Peace is not the absence of um, chaos. It's the presence of God, right? It's actually the presence of God exercising authority over the chaos in the environment. See, we tend to think, hey, you know, we can have peace if we just keep our mouths shut. Well, There's some truth to that, but it's not necessarily true. Because you can talk without opening your mouth. It's like the kid that says, and my mom says, go sit in the corner. I don't want to sit in the corner. Yeah, I said, go sit in the corner right now. I don't have to. He said, I'm going to whoop you, boy, if you don't go sit in the corner. So he goes sit in the corner. And his brother said, I thought you said you weren't going to sit down. He said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. you got lots of people like that. Keep their mouth shut, but they're not really with you. Right? So, you know, it's one thing to be dressed for battle. It's another thing to be prepared for battle. The sons of Ephraim had all the armament but they weren't willing to go to war because there are seasons for war there are seasons for prayer you got to go to war and prayer you got to go to battle you you have stuff going on in your family and, and man you're not sure what to do and what you need to do is you need to get up and you need to gear up and you need to get ready to go to battle you need to go to war and prayer and you're not fighting uh, again uh, a people you're fighting the enemy. The enemy is trying to steal your kids, trying to steal your 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 uh, health, trying to steal your joy. You got to stand up and you got to fight. You got to get people in your family. You got to keep people around you. And we got if two or three can agree about anything in His name. You got to call and you say, "We need to stand together. We need to fight. I'm going through a battle. I need my brothers and my sisters to join together with me because the devil's not going to win." The Ephraimites turned back during the time of battle and they missed the, scene, the season that God was leading them into. 2 Samuel 11:1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle. So what's the season? Season for war, season to battle. David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they, in the battle, destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabah, but David remained at Jerusalem. David was out of season. What happened when he didn't get with the seasons of God? He ended up moving into sin. Right? We need to always recognize not only where God is, but what is God doing. And we need to be in agreement. We need to be in sync with God and what God is doing. David missed out because he got out of line with God's seasons. Let's not let that happen with us. Let's recognize that God moves differently. I could have just said this at the beginning. We could have gone home. Let that potato digest. Let's recognize that God moves differently in different seasons, and let's determine that whatever the season, we want to and will be involved in the way that he is moving in that particular time. So how do I bring this to a wrap? What about us? What season are we in? I'll give you a couple of scriptures, Luke 19 and 13. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. The word occupy means do business, trade, do something with what I gave you. What we've been doing is we've been hiding out in church waiting for Jesus to show up. And what we should have been doing is we should have been occupying. Ooh, I just lost everybody. Just trying to see what you guys are looking at. I feel like you're staring holes in me right now. See, we're waiting to go to heaven so we can experience the kingdom. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 11, 11 through 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his Might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but we do wrestle, we do fight. But we do fight against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the fight, I added that, in the evil day. And after you've done everything to fight and to stand, that you will stand. What season are we in? We're in a season of war. We're in a season of occupation. We're in a season of fighting. We've got to, as a church, stop being uh, irrelevant. We complain about the darkness. We complain about what's happening in the culture around us, and, and we find scriptures to justify our uh, um, our, our um, uh, not doing anything. I'm trying to figure out the word for that. Our passivity, our what? Yeah, Our uh, our idleness, our apathy, and we say, oh, God, you're coming back. He's not coming back for a church that's weak and immature. He's coming back for a bride, a spotless bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a mature bride. He's not coming back for an immature bride. He's coming back for a mature bride. What does a mature bride look like? It's one that's doing things, uh, preparing itself by doing the work of the kingdom a bride that's come together and and is unified. And the reason that there's darkness in the world is because the church has vacated its position. Where there is no light, there is... So what What we say? There's no light in government because Christians say it's not for Christians to be involved in government. Hogwash, that's a lie from the enemy. There's no light in schools because Christians say, well, we can't, you can't, we can't be Christians in schools. Hogwash, that's a lie from the enemy. Well, we'll get in trouble. So did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. So, you know, all these people, they got in trouble, but they didn't back down. And you know what happened? So did Joseph. The light overcame the darkness. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, because they, and this is what it boils down to. They did not love their lives even to the point of death. Reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, you know what? Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to stop shining. We're not going to stop worshiping. We're not going to stop believing. We're not going to bow down to another God. We serve God Almighty. And you know what? You can take my flesh. You can take my, my uh, uh, right now. But if to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I'm not forfeiting my eternity for a momentary uh, uh, relief of my affliction. God put me here to do something, to make a difference, to pray, to stand, to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation. And I'm just telling you, I'm giving you notice right here. This is where I stand. This is what I believe. You're welcome to believe differently, but you're gonna have a hard time with me because it's only gonna gear up a little bit. We are supposed to be relevant powerful and we are supposed to be uh, uh, leavened in the world that we live in and we're supposed to make a difference. We're supposed to be involved politically. We're supposed to be involved in the educational system. We're supposed to be involved in the economic system. We're supposed to be involved in families. Getting family, We are supposed to be involved in every dynamic of life because when we do, we bring the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom and we are what leavens that system and brings the kingdom of God into manifestation in that area We're going to be challenged. We're going to have to fight. But I'm telling you that Jesus doesn't excuse us because it's hard and because there's a fight. He sends us out there anyway. And he has the answer to every problem. Well, why aren't I getting any answers? Because you're not facing any problems. Because every time there's a problem, we hide. We back off. But Jesus said, have God-like faith. Speak to the mountain. You can't speak to a mountain you're not willing to recognize. You can't speak to a mountain you're not willing to face. And as a church, Jesus is calling us to speak to the mountains, to deal with with the problems of society. God wants to be glorified. He wants to show himself strong, not for his ego, but it's when people see who God is is when they see and recognize there is a God. But in order for people to see who God is, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, you, the church of God. But in order to do that, we have to rise and stand and be what we're called to be. Amen? Amen.